Hallelujah. It's a joy to worship the Lord and to know God and to walk with Him. You know, one of the things that can steal us away from, the, from a life of joy is the busyness of life. In fact, I was thinking the other day, one of the things that can steal us away from a life of joy is the joys of life. Yeah, and uh, so many people have no time for God and yet they wonder why God doesn't make time for them. It's very interesting. But the greatest joy of all is to know God, to walk with Him. And uh, those of you that came for the marriage enrichment seminar yesterday, session yesterday, you know you were tremendously blessed. Those of you that were not able to come for whatever reason, you missed out on something really, really great. Those of you that were there, yeah, amen, praise God for that. Father, we want to ask in Jesus' name today that you will continue to speak into our hearts. Even as you've been speaking into our hearts from, from the foundations of our faith. And I pray these days you establish us in the truth of God's word, in the ways of God. We are grateful in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We have in the last two uh, parts, we'll be looking at the foundations of our faith, particularly the first part called repentance from dead works. And we've been looking at this portion of how God wants us to uh, move from a place of, of, of trying to become righteous by doing works of our own. And we saw how for a Gentile what it meant to be righteous, that meant to be staying away from trouble from with God. For a Jew, it meant what it meant to be righteous meant to strictly keep the Ten Commandments so he would feel so good that I am being righteous. But for a child of God, that, that righteousness does not come from who we stay away from, nor does it come from what we do, that righteousness comes with a restored relationship with God. And for so many people, so many children of God, they, what they start, Paul was getting concerned about the churches of the living God. Paul was getting concerned because the foundations of the faith were being shaken among the Galatian church. When Paul writes to them and he says, who has bewitched you of foolish Galatians? You who started in the spirit, are you now trying to fulfill everything in the flesh? Paul was addressing a very, very important thing. What was he addressing? He says, many people when they come to Christ, they come to Jesus Christ in a great way saying, it is because of the cross of Jesus Christ I am where I am. But after coming to Christ and a few little while on, suddenly our works, what we do begins to make us feel more righteous than other people or makes us feel more terrible than other people. So we looked at those foundations of how a Gentile looks at, how a Jew looks at it. And then we looked at how the righteousness has to be understood in God's kingdom from a perspective of righteousness means to be right with the king. Righteousness is not about something God did for you alone. Righteousness means to be right with the king, to be restored back to a reconciled relationship with Christ the king. Many churches today want to talk only about one, some aspects of righteousness without talking about the aspect of righteousness has a lot to do, do with a reconciled relationship with God. Being the foundation of our faith, being right with God. So for the Jew, 
in his season and time, the more he looked at the Ten Commandments, everything about him, he wanted to know whether the Ten were going okay. Whether he worshipped the Yahweh God, the Jewish God, whether he just, uh, you know, refused to commit adultery or to murder. He honored his father and mother, kept the Sabbath. So for the Jew, it was, you know, one one after the other. But we saw how God's purpose of giving the law was that this law was going to be a tutor until something better. Everybody say something better. So God always has something better. He always has something better for us because that is just the nature of God. So the Jewish Pharisees added 613 more laws. As the 10 were hard enough to keep, but the Pharisees, you know, they need some religious business. So they kept adding new, new laws. Uh, to the whole thing, thou shall wear this, thou shall eat that, thou shall only do this, you shall not do that. And the, but the problem with the law was the more I, you and I try to become righteous by what we do and what we don't do, the more we begin to depend on our scoring of ourselves. The day we move from a place of knowing that we are what we are by God's mercy, and we come to a place when we begin to think, I'm better than him or I'm better than her because I am doing certain of these things right. We are again leaning on our own righteousness. Religion trained us to keep certain of these laws. But the truth is, even as a child of God today, because the Bible is our reference, we are again and again going back to the Jewish references. You know, because we read so much about Judaism in the Bible, because we read so much about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all these people, we almost think that, uh, that, that you know, that uh, Abraham was actually a Jew. Abraham was a total Gentile. And we think the blessings of Abraham are for Israel alone. No, the blessings of Abraham were not just for Israel alone. We're going to look at that in a little bit. It was for a lot more than Israel. It was for the whole world that was going to believe in him. It was not just for the special few. While the covenant of Jacob was for Israel. Jacob's covenant was for a people group that was going to be established called a nation called Israel for a specific geographic area. But Abraham's blessing was far bigger. The covenant was for a greater group of people. So when we saw how through the Ten Commandments, God tried to bring a righteousness for that group of people. But I want you to know, it was not God's trial and failure. It was God's guarantee attempt for a season. Before Israel was became, ever became a nation, the Lord promised Abraham that his seed was going to bring salvation to the nations of the earth. The promise for the Gentiles of what Israel did, but the righteousness that was going to come because of what Christ was going to do was prophesied. It was spoken of long, long ago. It was prophesied and told that there is a righteousness, that your righteousness, when I say righteousness, I mean right standing with God. Your right standing with God is not because of which church you go to. Your right standing with God is not because of how much offering you gave. Your right standing with God is not even how many Bible verses you know. Or the kind of clothes you wear. Or what, what, what kind of family you come from. Or what traditions you come from. God is not interested in any of these things. And he begins to introduce Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21. The Bible says in verse 19 onwards, Romans 3, 19 onwards, we're going to look into this part. They say, in fact, in verse 9, what then are we better than they? Not at all. 
We are not better than any of them. Because verse 10 says, look at verse 10. First, read it together. What is it? Paul is writing to the Roman people and he's saying, are we better than these people? What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jew and Greek are all under sin. Why, is, why am I teaching this comparison? Because the Bible promote, begins to present the Gentiles need a savior. Then he presented why the Jews need a savior. And he says, all of us have sinned. Let's read verse 10 together. Let's go. As it is written, there is, there is what? There is one, there is nobody righteous. Does that include you and me? Does that include the best of us that haven't sinned? That includes you, which means the best of us that haven't sinned, the Bible says you have failed. You have failed. Because so, because you're a because you're somebody who's been to church for so many years and you feel so you feel more righteous than these new kids on the block. God says, God says what? There's one righteous. What does it say? Does that include you? Does that include me? Yes. There's none righteous, not even one. Because when God looks at your righteousness. Ah, uh, 55 weeks, we've been there. We've been at the fasting press, we've been there. We've, we've been doing everything right. The Jew, this is what the Jews struggled with. I know more than him. You know, some of us are, feel very righteous about our seniority in church. You know, we came here before all of you came. <laughs> yeah, if that's the case, you'll probably, you know, go to the grave before many of you. don't know when we'll come, when we'll go. I don't know if that is going to add to righteousness. None of these things add to righteousness, really. The Bible says not even one. But what does it go on to say in verse 19? Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. That every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. One thing is true that we are all going to give an account to God. So if we have to give an account to God, do you want to give account of your goodness and ripeness and all of that? Or do you want to give an account of what Christ has done for you and me? Amen. Verse 20 says, because by the word you know that you have sinned. But now this is the beautiful verse. This Christ is presenting something new now. He's saying it is not what the Gentiles were trying to do. It is not what the Jews were trying to do. But for you and for me. It says in verse 21, for now apart from the law, the righteousness of God was manifest. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What is the Bible saying? It was saying that the law and the prophets were looking on. Were looking on and were testifying. Their name is Christ. One greater than your righteousness. Hallelujah. What a joy to be walking in that kind of a righteousness. To know that I am not my righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 22. For the righteousness of God. Through faith, everybody say that, through faith. In Jesus Christ, for all who believe, there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So this righteousness is not just a forgiveness of sin. Righteousness has a lot more to do than being just forgiven of sin. Many people, when they, they go to a guilt trip and then they say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Let's speak to them. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Look at the mirror. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It is more than being forgiven from a guilt trip. 
Being righteous means to be reconciled back to the king. And now we are saying, now I'm at peace with God. That there is a relationship between God and me now. That there is a righteousness even through faith. Everybody say faith. Now we'll be touching on that as we get into the next foundation. And today I want to just settle in this whole issue of the repentance from dead works. God wants every one of us to lay down feeling great about ourselves because of certain things we do. Because we pray so long or because we fast or, or because we... God is saying everyone has sinned. And now that all of us have sinned, there's not even one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God being justified. Say justified. Say justified. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying that in the best of our ability, Ten Commandments, the moment, even that first commandment, thou shall have no other God before thee. The moment, you know, that you, you make your choices for yourself over the commandments of God, you and I have just become our own God. Even the first commandment we cannot keep properly. Jesus said, thou shall not commit adultery, but if, I want you to know any of you looks at a woman in lust, you have sinned, you committed adultery. We suddenly realize it is impossible to become righteous by our own efforts. And so God comes forward and he's saying, now I want to present to you a new righteousness, which is apart from the Ten Commandments. Hallelujah. Apart from what you did and what you didn't do. Apart from which family you come from, apart from whether you are a Christian by birth or whether you're Christian, when, how you came into the faith, God is saying, I want to become your righteousness. Jesus is saying, God is here on one side, you are at enmity with God. Now Jesus is saying, I am standing in front of you and I am representing you before the Father. Hallelujah. Imagine Christ, our elder brother. Christ, our King. Is now representing us before the Father. So when the Father looks at us, he sees the righteousness of God in us. He sees Christ as our righteousness. He sees Christ as the one. How did he see Christ as our righteousness? That one day Jesus, he said, knowing that nobody can become righteous before God, Jesus said, I want to do something by promise. What was the promise? The promise was that the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. There was a promise in the Garden of Eden that one day the Messiah is going to come. That one day it is going to come on your behalf and my behalf. Hallelujah. And he's going to crush the head of the serpent and he's going to crush every accusation against us. Hallelujah. He's going to look at you and he say, if any man receives me as his savior, I will become his righteousness. I will become the one that stands for him. I will become the one that speaks for him. I will become the one that before the mighty throne of God, I will be, I will be, not that you're, not your righteousness of, of being good or I haven't sinned or I've loved my wife or I've taken care of her. That's righteousness is like filthy rags. What does the coming of Christ tell me? What does the Ten Commandments tell me? It tells me that I desperately need a savior. But many people feel, well, I don't know about that. Uh, maybe I need Jesus also. Besides my goodness, you cannot have your leg in both boats. You must receive the righteousness of God. Therefore, when you come to understand the foundation of your faith, 
you must understand without the cross what does it mean to be justified the word justified to understand it let me put it in a simple way the moment the bible says we are justified it means we are just as if we never sinned amen the moment christ justifies us god in heaven looks at us and says hmm records clean files deleted for those of you who understand that that language virus is cleaned out why just as if you never sin god allows you to open a new page this is why the bible says in second corinthians 5:17 if any man be in christ he is a new creation i got a question for you how much just as if you never sinned he takes that duster with all your sins written down on that board he begins to take that duster and wipes everything away and he says paid in full that is the righteousness of god righteousness is powerful that is the righteousness of god in christ that through faith there is a righteousness the bible goes on to say being justified as a gift by his grace everybody say gift say it loud again gift say it again gift you know when we get a gift did we qualify somebody gave you a gift did you qualify for it god is saying now i want to give you right standing with god as a gift you can't earn it you couldn't do anything about it you couldn't stand before god and say god you see i know i made only three mistakes but seven are okay you should see that seven are okay god is saying no no it's no righteous and now christ is saying if you want to receive me back as king of your life i want to give you a gift you don't earn it you don't deserve it but it's a free gift of right standing back with christ to understand the more i read the word of god the more i understand the power of being at peace with god because we see this righteousness is not only about getting a free ticket to heaven righteousness is that we were at enmity with the king and now this king is bringing us back to peace with him and that peace is not because you and i did something right he's saying i want to give peace because it's a gift amen all of you if you could just just as an act of faith just receive god's gift just just an act of faith did you do did you do anything for this no this was a gift this is the righteousness of god well you got the gift you didn't work for it you didn't earn it. you didn't pay I, i i have got you know i remember especially uh you know somebody years ago gifted me this this ipad and the moment it was very very useful to me and 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 the moment my friend just gifted that to me i just looked at it and i'm thinking in my heart wow that's so cool somebody else paid the price for me to use this ipad last night my son was saying daddy papa i had a dream that you're gifting me an ipad <laughs> i knew he's a smart boy i said i had a dream that uh, that i'm not gifting you an ipad no he said no i'm just telling you <laughs> <laughs> you see now but i distinctly remember a few years ago when i had that as a gift 
I thought to myself, I didn't pay a single penny for it. But I am reaping the benefits of a blessing of having a gift from somebody. Did I deserve it? No, it was not because of I deserved it. It was a free gift that God just gave it. And if God would give that to you as a free gift, it is not because you read the Bible properly or not because you went to church regularly. God is saying, you're my enemy. But when I see the cross and you are kneeling before the cross, I want to give you a gift. Amen. That's the gift of righteousness. He says it's a gift of righteousness, but not only righteousness. What happens to somebody when you become righteous? The first thing that happens to you when you become righteous, Romans chapter 5 verse 1, the Bible says you have peace with God. Everybody say peace with God. Say it loud again, peace with God. Read it together if you can. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. Which means God is not angry. Wow. Now that me and Christ, that I've, I've asked the king, Lord, I want, to be a, I want to be reconciled to you. But I have sinned. I have not represented you. I have been an enemy in your kingdom. God is saying, I want to give you a gift of grace. I want to give you a gift of righteousness. What is that? It is peace with God. Have you ever had an opportunity with someone in your family or someone you loved very dearly? And then things went bad and you didn't speak for many, many years. And then one day you both come back and there's a reconciliation. There is a peace. That's the power of becoming right one with another. There is a righteousness. But what does this righteousness do for you? The first thing it does for you is that you have peace with God. The second thing that this righteousness does for you, it not only gives you peace with God, it also gives you the power, the gift of grace. When one says, I am becoming righteous with God, I'm saying I am reconciled with God. So when I'm reconciled with God, God is saying, now you and I, we're friends. You and I are at peace. You and I are not enemies anymore. So don't look at me as an enemy, God is saying. Look at me as somebody for you. Look at me as somebody with you. Look at me as somebody who wants to stand with you and, and believe with you and, and bless you and encourage you. God is saying, I want to be everything God can be to you. Not only does he give you righteousness, he goes on to say, I want to give you the gift of grace. Everybody say gift of grace. Now I want you to symbolically receive that, just gift of grace. And I'm going to explain that to you. What is the gift of grace? When you repent from dead works, it's not your ability anymore. The grace is, what is grace? It is grace is not the mercy of God. Many people think grace is God's mercy. They say, oh, by grace only, brother, I'm standing till now. I should have fallen only, but by grace only. They think grace is mercy. Grace is not mercy. Then what is grace? Grace is what I was unable to do till now because I am at peace with God. He is now enabling me to do everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
you and i we are god's righteousness in christ so he not only has given us righteousness what happens the righteousness we have peace with god which means when we have peace with god we are reconciled back to god if i say i'm a righteous person i have to be a messenger of reconciliation i cannot say i'm a righteous person and have strife with others i cannot say i have enjoyed god's righteousness and have 10 people i don't talk to because they wounded me i cannot say i'm the righteousness of god in christ and feel proud about my goodness i can't say i'm the righteousness of god and then still try to work up my own righteousness when you are righteous with the righteousness of god you have peace with god which means you are reconciled to god and now you will reconcile one to another if we are the righteousness of god you cannot be at strife with anybody this righteousness now is releasing grace upon your life what is grace grace is divine enablement what is grace divine enablement which means what i was unable to do could i be saved before being saved itself the first thing god did for me was to cancel the penalty of my sin so when god canceled the penalty of my sin which means imagine somebody was convicted and sent to 25 years in prison now the judge says okay but i want to cancel that penalty you're free to go you're not going to spend 25 years in prison is that okay what was he sent in prison for he spent in prison because he stole uh, he stole a million rupees from the account all right where he was working somebody was working in an account as an accountant he stole a million rupees he went to jail for that now what is the mercy of god the cancellation of the penalty what was the penalty 25 years in prison so now what is he free to do he's free to come out of prison but does he have that job again no he doesn't have the job mercy cancels the penalty of your mistake but christ now he is saying when i look at you i don't see a judgment against you because of christ jesus you are forgiven not only am i allowing you to come out of eternity in hell i am putting my righteousness and grace on you you have an opportunity now just as if you never sinned to come back and represent Christ Jesus everywhere you go that you can be his representative god is saying my mercy forgave you my grace empowers you that now you can be come back to that position of accounts come back be that accountant but he has something to say but i want you to know go and steal no more amen why would we now not steal before we were we were we would be afraid to steal because of the law or if we steal we'll go to prison now we don't want to sin because of love because when we think we should have been 25 years behind bars and the mercy of god cancels that oh the greatness of the riches of god's mercy upon Oh, the mercy of God that has made me righteous once again in Christ. Now that I love my God, not that I should not sin. Now that I love God, I could not sin. This is why the Bible says in the book of First John, it says anybody that is in Christ will not sin. It's not that they should not sin; they could not sin. Why? Their heart doesn't want them to hurt the God that has forgiven them. Hallelujah. Look at somebody say I'm justified. 
I am the righteousness of God. So what does righteousness do for you? It brings peace with God. Righteousness not only brings you to a place of peace with God, righteousness releases the gift of grace. Which means that grace of God, whichever you were not able to do, he cancelled the penalty, but you were not able to be saved. He cancelled your penalty, but you couldn't become a son of the kingdom. What you were not able to do, grace came and now he's picked you up and he's put you inside the kingdom. Hallelujah. That's the power of grace. That the great gift of grace, and that is a gift. Some people think, no, that's because I prayed the sinner's prayer. Name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm entering into the kingdom. Get off. No, that, that was a gift from God. That is why I want you to know everyone who prays the sinner's prayer is not necessarily saved until you really encounter the love of God and you know what Christ has done for you. That you, every one of us, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, free gift of God, free gift of God, free gift of God. Every one of you is a recipient of a free gift from God. Amen. You are the righteousness of God. So what does righteousness do for you? Brings you to a place of peace with God. It brings you, releases the gift of grace upon your life. Not only does it release gift of grace, the next thing righteousness does for you, righteousness releases a ministry upon your life. When you are right with God, God is saying now, now that you're right with me, don't sit back and act like a guilty sinner. God is saying, rise up and represent the kingdom of God. If the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any man is in Christ, throw that up for me. First, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And then what happens to the old? Old things are passed away and all things are made new, which means you are new. You had to look at yourself in the mirror and you say, that's a new creation. You know, one day, a man came to uh, a woman called uh, Catherine Kuhlman. How many of you heard of Catherine Kuhlman? Catherine Kuhlman was this amazing woman of God whom God had used mightily, mighty signs, miracles, and wonders. But at one point in her life, she backslid before God began to use her mightily. She was a Sunday school teacher, would teach the children a lot of things and all from the word of God. One day, she fell in love with uh, one pastor who was already married I think and then they, they ran away and they got married and, and lived a life of sin and then after a few years she repented and she encountered Christ in such a powerful way that she came back and she said now I want to live for Jesus from that point onwards God cancelled the penalty of her sin and God put a righteousness on her a right standing with God that when she would stand on the stage, it was not because of the previous years of good track record. She stood there because the king said, it is paid for. Amen. One day someone came up to her and said, Catherine Kuhlman, I know you. I know you. Some of us don't tell that to people, but we think that. I know you. I've been around a while. I want you to know God knows you too. And some of us know you too. <laughs> this person looked at Catherine Kuhlman and said, I know you. 
said, I know you messed up and, and you lived in sin and you disobeyed and, and you lived in adultery, immorality. I know you. Catherine Kuhlman looked at him and he said, she said, that Catherine is dead. I am now the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many want to look at somebody and say that? Look at somebody and say, put your name and say, that, that John is, is dead. <laughs> some of us, some of us studied in school together. <laughs> some of us know each other from yesteryears. That John is dead. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? If it is a gift, I can't earn it. I can't earn it even 10 years after my salvation. Because once we come to Christ, now we feel I'm still earning it. I'm not earning it. That John is dead. I am now the righteousness of God in Christ. So what does God give? He gives. 1 Corinthians 5.17, we saw that. And now these things, record, uh, uh, that we're a new creation. All the old things passed away. Behold, all things are made new. And what does 18 say? The next verse after 5.17. 18 says, come on, read it together. Now all these things are from God who what? Reconcile. What is the meaning of reconcile? means we were at enmity. Now he closed that enmity. He's brought us at peace with one another. All right, he reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry. What does it mean to be righteous? It means now God is saying, not only are you at peace with me, I want to give you a ministry to represent me. Hallelujah. God is saying, you are now good enough to represent the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But you might say, but you, don't, but, but you don't know what I've done. And God says, that you is dead. Amen. For Galatians 2.20, what does it say? For I have been crucified with Christ. Come on, Bible believers. Uh, Bible believers should be Bible readers also. Just for your information. Come on, let's read this together. I have been crucified with Christ and... It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Which means the moment I am saying, I am the righteousness of God, that moment I am saying, it is not I, it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in what Christ has done for me. That I am living by that one confidence in the faith that Christ has done this for me. He has finished that work. He has given me now a ministry. So what has righteousness done for you? It's brought you to a peace with God. And righteousness now has given you the gift of grace. What you could not do, you're able to do. Thirdly, he's given you a ministry that just like you have been reconciled with God, now go and reconcile all mankind back to God. The moment you and I say, I am the righteousness of God, you and I are saying, I'm also a minister of God's reconciliation. Somebody who understands righteousness cannot sit back and say, I'm on my way to heaven. Everything's okay. 
ticket, visa, everything's in place, I'm going to heaven. No, that's not righteousness. That is selfishness. Righteousness is to know that you and I have a ministry. A ministry to represent the king. What else does righteousness do for us? Righteousness releases authority on us. The moment we become his righteousness, the authority of God comes upon our life. And we begin to stand in front of any demonic host of hell. And we say, I am the righteousness of God. You know what that means? Satan comes to trouble you and taunt you. You look at the devil and say, Satan, just in case you didn't know, me and God, we've sorted things out. We're good. Now, I represent God. It's powerful to be the righteousness of God. It is powerful. What else does righteousness do? Not only does it give you authority, it also gives you an inheritance. Righteousness gives you an inheritance. The things that you did not have till now. God is saying, I want to give you an inheritance. What is the inheritance? He starts with the promise of the Holy Spirit. The reason you and I can get baptized in the Holy Spirit and be filled with the gifts of God is because God looks at you and says, righteous. Amen. That's why he fills us with the Holy Spirit. He gives us a, a righteousness that we cannot, we cannot earn, we cannot do. And so the Bible goes on to say, if we are justified like this and we are given over a grace, a gift of grace, then it goes on to say in verse 27 of Romans 3, what then are you boasting about? What then are you boasting about? I want you to know, your pastor is not more righteous than you are. You might feel it, but it's not true. Because all have sinned and fallen short. Now, no, no, pastor, after we come to church, pastor on pulpit, you must be more obedient to God than I am. I think we'll find out on the day of judgment who is obedient, who is not. All I can tell you now is that we are all the righteousness of God in Christ. But pastor, don't you have a heart to obey God? Absolutely, don't you? Yes, I do. But things I want to do, I do. Things I do not want to do, I don't do. And the things I do not want to do, I don't know why I do. Then you're like Paul. All right? So you're doing pretty good so far. <laughs> Amen. He puts on a righteousness on you and me. That finally when we get to heaven, that we are going to stand there not because of what we did, but because of what he has done for us. Therefore, in Romans in chapter 4, the Bible goes on to say about Abraham, how did this righteousness come? It came by faith. Everybody say faith. Faith in what? The Bible talks about this righteousness that God one day came to Abraham and said, you're going to have a son. And Abraham said, hey, hey, And I said, no, really, you're going to have a son. The Bible says, Abraham laughed. Some preachers call it the laugh of faith. I don't think the Bible calls it the laugh of faith. Yeah, because they need material to preach, you know, after some time. They call it the love of faith. No, he, he didn't laugh out of faith. The Bible says that, that he was wondering how is it possible at that time. But what he did is, even though he wondered how it's possible, he switched on to, wait a minute. 
if god said it i believe it he suddenly switched on and then then he looked at sarah and he said oh oh what am i thinking this is not possible Oh. Then he, he probably, if you may, unwritten portions of scripture, he asked the three angels, have you seen Sarah? <laughs> But what happened is that God sent a promise. Everybody say promise. The thing about righteousness of Christ is not because of, of how young Sarah is or how capable Abraham was when he was old. at 100 it's not because of their ability to reproduce another child the promise of god came upon their life we are righteous not because of how capable we are we are righteous because now the promise of the father the messiah who will die on the cross for your sin and my sin we are righteous because of the promise and now we have a ministry because of this promise the bible goes on to say It says this faith was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. The fact that he went about and the Bible says God told Abraham, you're no longer his name was Abram. He says you're not going to be called Abram anymore, you're going to be called Abraham. And he, and he says your wife Sarai is not going to be called Sarai anymore, she's going to be called Sarah. So you can just imagine Abram began to be called Abraham. Abraham means exalted father. You can just imagine barren Sarah calling childless Abraham, exalted father. Hey, hey, exalted father, come for lunch. You know what the neighbors would have thought? Sarah. As they're growing older. See, that's the thing. When God speaks something into our heart, which is a faith. when the people around look it is not possible but we know the one that we have believed that if god said it it is possible that god will fulfill what he said why it's not by you who do it it is not by your ability it is because of the one who promised hallelujah amen that if god would promise something according to his scripture if god promises it then we can believe it Amen. That we can believe it. God is saying, I want to pick you up from where you are. God, I don't think you can use. God, after coming to Christ, I, I messed up with three men. You might say, God says, but there's a promise. If you will repent. See, no promise happens in rebellion. Promise happens because we are willing to receive the promise. Now, we might be in rebellion while the promise is given. and at that time it looks impossible but that is the power of the grace of god the grace of god will come after you the grace of god will come after you and he will say i have marked this person i want them to recognize the power of god's grace hallelujah this righteousness gives you an inheritance an inheritance to be used of god abraham's faith is what kick started everything in his life This is why the foundation of our faith begins with Hebrews 6 the foundation says repent from your dead works and then it says get into a righteousness which comes by faith. Faith is the foundation. Faith comes from the promise. It's the foundation of everything you do. 
Faith begins to build towards what God has done for you so far. So this new covenant, the Bible says, I am going to make a new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. New covenant means something better than the old one. God was saying the old one, you had to follow these ten commandments. The new one, you're not following commandments alone. You're following a person. You're following the person of Jesus Christ. You're not following the letter of the law. You're following, falling in love with a person. The person of Christ. The Bible says he used a new covenant because many today want to mix the old covenant with the new. They want to bring in the feasts in the uh, new covenant. Then they do all the feasts and they feel, mm, I saw Christ in the feasts. You know that bread that was symbolic of Christ, the bread. The wine, symbolic of the wine or blood of Jesus. Hey, listen, today you have the reality in you. You don't need the symbolisms because today the spirit of God in you is bearing witness to you. Hallelujah. The spirit of God is speaking. You don't need the outside emblems because from within you, the Holy Ghost himself is bearing witness of the finished work of the cross. You cannot mix the old and new. The result of the old and new is that your wineskin will rupture. Many people want to go back to this old Jewish way. Of trying to fulfill the law. Many go back to the natural ways. Instead of stepping into the supernatural. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 13. 2 Corinthians 3.13. The Bible says. I want you to read this. So that you will know what happens. It says. And are not like Moses. Who used to put a wheel over his face. So that the sons of Israel. Would not look intently. At the what? end of that which was fading away. This is talking about the old covenant. The Bible says the old covenant was fading away. The old covenant was fading away. And now a new covenant came upon our lives. I will make a new covenant, the Bible says, and the old covenant will become of no effect where it is not because of your faithfulness you're saved. You are now hereafter saved because of his faithfulness. You are forgiven because of his faithfulness. You are empowered because of his faithfulness. You have a ministry because of his faithfulness. And God says now in Hebrews 8.10, I will now not the, write the laws on letters of stone. I will write the laws in your heart. God is saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to start working in your heart. There are people that come and say, the Bible says, does the Bible say we shouldn't do that? They, they try to push how much they can, how much they can go in sin. But God is saying, I want to write that in your heart. It's not because of how much you can push it, but because of the love of God that is in your heart. So what is this righteousness in the new covenant? The righteousness in the new covenant does not allow your behavior to determine your identity. The righteousness in the new covenant makes your identity to determine your behavior. Amen. The fact that I am now a child of God. How many children of God do we have here? Now that you and I are a child of God, your behavior doesn't tell you you're a child of God. The fact that you're a child of God demands that you behave right. Your identity tells you 
you cannot live like a fatherless person like one who has no god now you begin to live like a child of the living god you become the righteousness of god you have confidence that now you can enter boldly before the throne of grace you can come because of his righteousness you don't enter in frightfully you enter in boldly say father i have your righteousness i come before you with a humble heart i say father i want you to i want you to work through me i want you to release your gifts through me i want you to operate in your spirit through me because i am the righteousness of god in christ as why after romans 5 coming to peace with god romans 6 he goes on to say shall we continue sinning now that you are the righteousness of god no he says because you are the righteousness of god you cannot continue sinning because you don't want to break god's heart romans chapter 7 paul goes on to say he says oh, things i do not want to do i'm doing things i want to do i do not who will deliver me from this body of sin thanks be to god through jesus christ our lord and romans chapter 8 he goes on to say now that you are the righteousness of god he is putting his holy spirit inside of you every righteous child of god cannot understand righteousness without understanding a holy spirit empowerment on your life the moment you are saying i'm righteous you are saying the holy ghost in me i can do all things through christ who strengthens me a righteous child of god will not continue in sin because he will say i can do all things through christ who strengthens me how many righteous folk do we have here today just pray with me today hallelujah Father we just want to thank you Lord. Let's go ahead thank him for that righteousness that you have today. The righteousness which comes by faith because of what you believed. Hallelujah. Thank him. Christ your savior. May you come boldly before the throne of grace today. Father we want to thank you for this gift of righteousness. The Bible says it is a gift and we receive it Lord. hallelujah if there is anybody that has been struggling to receive that righteousness from Christ and you've been trying to fulfill that righteousness by your own works this morning is a morning where you can ask the holy spirit not only will you cancel the penalty of my sin but you give me the gift of righteousness just receive that gift of righteousness this morning spirit of the living god spirit of the living god we just receive that gift of righteousness right now just receive that gift of righteousness thank you father it is your works not mine it is the gift of righteousness now that i am righteous i am going to do the works of righteousness which comes from a obedient heart i don't become righteous because of my obedience but because i have got the gift of righteousness i'm going to pursue obedience with all my Hallelujah. Just make that commitment to God right now. Say Lord Jesus, I am the righteousness of God. I receive the gift of righteousness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now I will live a life of righteousness, not because of my works, 
But because of love, I respond to your righteousness. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.